TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Good morning. Welcome to Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Yes, that is correct. We are doing a live hardline the Sunday after Thanksgiving. You are welcome, Western New York. And before we get to the serious topics of the day, I have just one thing to ask you. One thing to say. My boss is cringing at the thought of me saying this, but I just have to know, how about those Hokies, huh? How about those Hokies? Heck of a game last night. I'll talk more about that tomorrow when I fill in for Bowerly. But as I mentioned, this is Hardline, and it has been a a busy week, which it seems like we uh, can't go in a holiday week without having busy weeks. And uh, we will be covering all of those events statewide and regional-wide here over the next two hours. Our first guest is State Senator Rob Ort, the Senate Minority Leader. Senator, good morning. Good morning, Joe. Now, we, we, we were going to talk about the uh, the Cuomo report, and we will. But I first want to ask about statewide, uh, Governor Kathy Hochul uh, declaring a state of emergency uh, on Friday. What are your thoughts on her action? Well, you know, it's, it, my only, I guess my greatest concern uh, is, you know, are we moving back down uh, the path that we were in when her her former her predecessor uh, uh, Andrew Cuomo was in office, um, where he you know we had a state of emergency, he was granted uh, broad emergency powers, uh, and essentially was making uh, every decision when it came to the pandemic exclusively on his own with his close circle of advisors. And we know now uh, the disaster that that was, both ethically, governmentally. Uh, in every other way you could possibly imagine. So uh, I, I want to make sure we, we are not moving back towards down that path. Uh, the legislature needs to uh, maintain its role in this pandemic, and we're certainly uh, not going to or eager to hand over those kinds of powers uh, from what we've seen thus far from Governor Hochul uh, or to any governor, in my view, uh, going forward. So to be clear, she doesn't have any of those powers that Governor Cuomo had uh, currently, correct? She does not. So there are um, obviously there are constitutional uh, abilities that any governor has in a, in a state of emergency. Those those predated those go back, obviously, to uh, whenever the current uh, New York State Constitution was was written. The powers that Cuomo had were those were special powers granted to him. Uh, that uh, were, were really supposed to last a temporary period of time, and we know they lasted uh, over a year. So those powers have expired. She does not have those powers. She doesn't have the ability to, um, you know, to simply override local laws. Uh, she does have certain uh, powers, but not the broad powers that Andrew Cuomo had. 
What do you think about uh, what's going on in Erie County uh, with Mark Polonkar still having those emergency powers and the local county legislator not being able to take those powers away? Uh, what do you think of that situation? And what do you think of Senator Gallivan's um, uh, legislation proposal to to make it so that the legis- the local legislators would have more power? So I, I'm a uh, co-sponsor of the legislation introduced by Senator Gallivan and Senator Rath the other day. Uh, I spoke to uh, uh, both of their offices uh, as they were putting forward that, leg- that legislation. I think it's a good piece of legislation. I think it it is uh, important. You know, we, we spent, uh, the three of us, along with many of my colleagues in the Republican conference, spent most of 2020 and then a good part of 2021 arguing that one person should not simply be able to make, you know, all of these decisions, these mandates uh, that have real impacts on our kids' education, businesses, how we move about our lives, personal freedoms, and the like. And so um, it would only stand a reason that we should support local legislatures, the county legislature, whether it's in Erie County or any county, uh, in being able to do uh, the same thing, to be able to make sure that they are holding an executive in check. Um, the Erie County executive, you know, seems to want to go back down uh, the, the road or the path uh, that uh, Governor Cuomo uh, went down. And again, I said this back when Governor Cuomo was still in office, which was that, you know, this, what he was doing was going to be an example uh, to the wrong kind of executives at all levels, whether it's a mayor, a county executive, uh, or governors, uh, that this was how, you know, this was how you manage a pandemic through mandates and edicts and executive orders. Um, and I think a lot of people would rightfully and, and uh, properly agree that is not the way we should be doing this. So I support that legislation. Uh, I was I was glad Senator Gallivan and Senator Rapp introduced it. Um, you know, we'll see we'll see with the the majorities in the Senate and Assembly uh, whether they act on that or not. Um, but I think it's an important piece of legislation uh, to allow the Erie County Legislature. To, to be part of the pandemic and to hold the county executive in check. I know it's difficult to uh, to kind of look in the future and see what the other side would do, but you know, if you look at this legislation and take the parties of those whose names on it away, it would seem like this could be a very bipartisan bill. Do you see any support from the other side? Uh, could you see any support from the other side signing on to this? You know, it, uh, it's we're going to the holidays, right, Joe? So I try to be optimistic this time of year, um, uh, and, and I'm hopeful. Uh, but everything I've seen from the majorities uh, as we move into an election year, uh, don't forget this is the same group of people, uh, at least my colleagues on the Democratic side of the aisle in the Senate, who were really hesitant to remove Andrew Cuomo's emergency powers. You know, they, they were hesitant to even do their own job as legislators, let alone allow other legislators uh, to do the same thing. So um, I'm not going to hold my breath and and make any bold prediction because I haven't seen any evidence from my colleagues across the aisle they would consider this. Uh, And they've also been extremely partisan in these kinds of matters. However, again, you know, I I think it's important legislation was introduced, and I am hopeful that somebody, uh, maybe in the Assembly, maybe in the Senate uh, from the Democratic side, uh, will uh, sponsor or support this legislation, and maybe maybe that'll help it move uh, move through the uh, the Senate. 
All right, one more question before we move on to uh, Governor Cuomo or former Governor Cuomo. Uh, you're seeing businesses now in Erie County. I mean, they're seeing uh, they're seeing a lot of traffic go up to uh, you guys in Niagara County. What do you think of the lawsuits this this time around uh, that businesses are bringing against the county executive? Uh, do you see any potential of those holding and being able to remove some of these mandates in Erie County? Well, the, the one I guess the one bright spot through the whole uh, pandemic when there's been these mandates, executive orders, uh, you know, unlawful uh, uses, a uh, usurpation of government power is the, the courts. The courts, you know, have been sort of the, the, the real ultimate check on some of these executive orders. I think about the number of executive orders that Andrew Cuomo uh, were found to be unconstitutional or overreaching. Uh, and so I do think these lawsuits are important. I think the role that the courts play in these kinds of matters are important, not just today, but far-reaching. There's far-reaching impacts uh, on these things. Many of these executive orders uh, have the approach of, you know, uh, shoot first, ask questions later, or better to ask uh, forgiveness than permission. And so, uh, you know, I think those lawsuits are important. Um, we, we certainly, I, I remember when you talk about businesses coming to Niagara County, you know, as someone who lives in, in North Tonawanda, which is just on the other side, of course, of, of Erie County, uh, I can remember almost a year ago, New Year's Eve, um, you know, Niagara County was was open for business. The restaurants were open. I was at a restaurant uh, along the, the canal, and uh, I saw many uh, of my friends from Buffalo, from Erie County, who were there that night. And right across the canal, out the window, was another restaurant. <laughs> it was dark. Uh, and yet you could have, you know, you could have walked to the restaurant. So uh, things like that certainly don't make a lot of sense, I'm sure, to a lot of the businesses or to a lot of other folks. And, and I think it's going to have a real negative impact on Erie County businesses who've already been through a lot. You know, and when they look around Western New York and they don't see anyone else doing this, uh, I think that it was one thing when everybody was sort of in the, in the same spot, you know, in the same sort of position. Um, and I think everybody was, was could, could, there was misery loves company maybe. Now I think it's going to be a lot harder for businesses uh, to sort of suffer those, those challenges in the holiday season when everyone else, Niagara County, Chautauqua County, Cataraugus, Genesee, no one else is, is in that same position. And I think that's going to be uh, a greater pinch on the Erie County businesses. At the same time that Erie County was uh, announcing their four-phased mandate system, uh, we finally got the impeachment report uh, out of the assembly. Uh, anything surprise you from the report that, in my opinion, was just a few months late? Uh, anything surprise you in that report? <laughs> yeah, just just a few months uh, late. You know, nothing nothing that was that really had not been already reported. You know, uh, there was a lot of great work reported. Uh, through various news outlets, you know, going back months ago, um, as far as detailing, um, you know, the, the sexual assault allegations, detailing um, the cover-up uh, in the nursing home data and the manipulation of that data. Uh, uh, I think the, 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 the most telling piece or maybe the most interesting piece that came out of this was sort of the, the, the real uh, um, details on the book deal and how the book was written and the, the, the uh, amount of public resources and public time uh, and, and dollars through employees that was used to draft and write this, this memoir of, of great leadership uh, by Andrew Cuomo. Uh, and, of course, I say that tongue-in-cheek. Uh, 
so, you know, that, that I think was the, the most telling thing that came out of there uh, and the connection maybe to that book deal and the manipulation and lying of nursing home deaths and COVID-related uh, uh, data to make him look better as he was uh, getting ready to sign or accept uh, a $5.1 million book deal that now, you know, the, the problem with this whole thing is now you have the Joint Commission on Public Ethics saying he should have to return those proceeds. Where were they when he was in office? They're supposed to be the ones to say, no, you can do this. Yes, you can't do this. Uh, you know, or, or yes, you can do this. No, you can't do this. Uh, where were they then? You know, it's easy to come out and say, oh, now it was wrong because he's gone. And, of course, he appointed most of those people on the Joint Commission on Public Ethics. Where was the, the impeachment report when he could have actually been impeached? I mean, keep in mind, Joe, the Speaker of the Assembly didn't even want the report produced. He initially said there would be no report, only when there was outcry from the Republicans and the Judiciary Committee, like at some of them like Norris, and, and from the media. Only then did, did he say, okay, well, we'll do a report. Um, so they didn't even want the report the taxpayers spent $5 million on to be made public. I think that should tell everybody everything they need to know that, that Assembly Democrats, Senate Democrats had no desire to hold this governor accountable. Uh, they didn't want this out. They, didn't, well, they, don't, they don't want it out now. They don't want to be talking about it. They'd much rather be talking about anything else. But the reality is we, we need to know what Andrew Cuomo, what he did. We need to hold him accountable. Uh, we could have held him accountable if he was still in office. We could have impeached him. There was enough grounds here for impeachment. That's the biggest takeaway is there was impeachable offenses, and the legislature failed in its duty to impeach. So far from a profile in, in courage, this report really is a profile in cowardice and I think highlights uh, just how, how feckless the legislature was all the way up to and including Andrew Cuomo's uh, departure. And, and to add to it, not only do they release it after he's out of office, they release it Thanksgiving week. You know, a lot of people following the news very closely uh, Thanksgiving week, right? Yeah, right. I mean, you're following uh, the news about your, your football team's playoff folks. You're following. And, 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 of course, other things. You know, we live in a very fast-moving news cycle. And the longer you wait, there's going to be other things that come into play. And this story will seem less and less uh, important to a lot of people. Because I think a lot of people say, okay, he's gone now. Who cares? Well, I can tell you, the, the, the people who lost loved ones in nursing homes, they definitely care. Um, uh, you know, and, and we should all care. You know, the people who were, the women who were sexually uh, uh, assaulted or, or harassed by this governor, they care. Uh, and, and, and certainly we should all care. You know, there was a lot of courage shown by those 11 women who came forward, and there wasn't a fraction of that courage shown by elected leaders uh, who were tasked with holding this governor accountable, even though the report confirms that there was plenty of damning evidence. Uh, and, and we've had this report, quite frankly, we've had this information for months. This isn't new. We didn't just come to this, you know, two days ago. We've had this for months. So this was uh, uh, clearly intended to release this, as you said, on a busy holiday weekend when hopefully people had forgotten about it. And let's just talk about, you know, Let's talk about the new variants of COVID, or let's talk about the bills, or let's talk about anything but Andrew Cuomo. Uh, but I can promise you, a lot of people are not going to forget uh, the, the, the lack of courage, the lack of moral courage and leadership shown by the majorities in both the Senate and Assembly. We're not going to forget uh, the people who were uh, uh, part of that cover-up. Um, and we have to move on, 
but we can still hold him accountable. And hopefully there's a prosecutor or a district attorney out there who will get a hold of this report and uh, uh, will hold Andrew Cuomo accountable for the crimes against the people of New York. Do you think the government bodies in Albany uh, should act to make sure that Governor Cuomo or former Governor Cuomo uh, doesn't run again? Because, you know, with elections coming up, I've heard his name uh, discussed for a few different offices here in New York. And this is this is an opinion. But with Governor Cuomo's uh, ego, I can't you know, see him trying to stay out of the spotlight forever. Do you think there should be actions taken so he doesn't run for office again in New York state? I do. And there's actually a bill um, in the New York State Senate sponsored by Senator Dan Steck from the uh, from the North Country, uh, the Adirondack region up there. He he has a bill that would do just that. It would it would allow us to uh, uh, hold officials, disgraced officials who were out of office and prevent them from returning and running for office in the future. I mean, if you can believe it or not, one of the offices that Andrew Cuomo has been rumored to be maybe looking at is attorney general, uh, you know, the state's top prosecutor. Uh, here's a guy who should be prosecuted, uh, maybe thinking about running to be the top prosecutor. Um, you know, it, it, it's something you would expect out of uh, maybe a really bad uh, soap opera uh, and not your state government here in the, in the state of New York. So, um, you know, I, I absolutely would agree and support that legislation. Um, and I think uh, that is something that should I would like to think would pass both houses where we could send a message to New Yorkers that we are willing to hold people accountable and that just because you're gone from office, just because you resigned in disgrace and ran away, uh, doesn't mean that you can escape justice and accountability uh, or that you can just come back and run again uh, in the future. State Senator Rob Ort, thank you so much for uh, spending some time with me this Sunday morning. Thanks, Joe. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving to you and your listeners. Thanks. You too. That is State Senator Rob Ort, the minority leader of the New York State Senate. Now, when we come back, we spoke with uh, Senator Pat Gallivan earlier in the week to discuss a little more in depth that bill uh, that would target or, or give more power to county legislators and local legislators throughout New York State. We will hear that interview from earlier in the week when we come back. It is Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on and podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Hey, welcome back. It is Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. As I said, it has been a busy week. And it's a holiday week. You don't usually... Uh, expect this 
on a holiday week. Uh, but after what we saw on Monday, I think we knew what we were in store for. Monday, County Executive Mark Pullencars explaining the four-phase system. And, you know, I can understand if you were tuned out all week. It's a holiday week. A lot of you were off for the entire week. Maybe you're tuning in this morning to get yourself back into a kind of a in-the-current-events groove. So uh, if you've been out all week, welcome back. And Mark Pullencars announced a phase system. Now, he was a guest on Hardline last week when he said he was not interested in um, shutting businesses down. He said that on WBEN. Here's the exact line from Hardline last week. And all options are on the table. Uh, we are not going to go back to restrictions that shut down businesses and things like that. That is not going to happen. But we're looking at other options, including going back to a full mask mandate for all public locations and, and, and other options that might be on the table. But I, I say this, I'm not looking and we're not interested in shutting down businesses. We're not interested in capacity requirements. The lie detector determined and, that and was that was that, that was uh, that was not true. Um, because if you look at the four-phase system, phase three, well, let's just go through all of them. Phase one is a mask mandate. That's what we are in now here in Erie County. Phase two would be vaccine requirements from uh, public businesses. So that means your gym. That means the bar you go to. That means, I guess that means everything, going to stores. Everything now that has a mask mandate would be a vaccine mandate, which would be interesting if you needed a vaccine mandate to go to the grocery store. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to see that. Uh, but then phase three is 50% capacity. Now, on last week, a, a week ago right now, the county executive told us he wasn't interested in doing that. The very next day, he, um, he revealed that, well, he is interested in doing that. Phase three is 50% capacity. Phase four are the shutdowns that we saw back in March and April of 2020. So after that, obviously, uh, I, I think we all knew that we were in store for a lot of back and forth. Uh, we were in store for some lawsuits, potentially. Uh, but also, we were looking, uh, many people, uh, how do these powers get taken away from the county executive? Joe Larigo told our morning show that it would be the state that ha- that would have to take away those those powers from the county executive, not the county legislature. And on Wednesday, State Senator Pat Gallivan and Ed Rath, also a state senator, uh, introduced legislation. I spoke with State Senator Pat Gallivan Wednesday morning. Here is some of that interview going into detail what the legislation looks to do when it comes to local powers. And this could be county powers, city powers, town powers. It's giving power back to the legislature of these municipalities. Here is State Senator Pat Gallivan from Wednesday. You're listening to Hardline on WBEN. Now, uh, as we know, the, uh, the the county executive, because he reminds us, has uh, the power to put these phases in place. I, I, my first question to you is, how is it that in Erie County, he still has these powers that were, I believe, granted to him by the county legislature? How is it that the state needs to step in to take these powers away? Well, a couple of different things. It's a state executive law that provides the emergency powers two executives. There's a provision that deals with the governor and the emergency powers relating to state operations. 
And then there's a separate provision dealing with the chief executives of, uh, of counties, towns, villages, and cities. It applies to local government. And it's that particular section that gives the county executive and other chief executives the power to declare emergencies. Uh, they can only declare the emergency for 30 days at a time, but they can renew that emergency. And so uh, my belief is that for every 30 days, the county executive has renewed the emergency so that it's been continuous from the very beginning. And there's no check and balance in place for that. Uh, it's solely up to the prerogative of any county executive, um, and w whether they're honorable or not honorable, uh, it could be very well intended. But like the argument that so many made, myself included, with the governor, our, our system is not intended to have one person in power for so long. And uh, I, I put, we just put together legislation um, to try to insert checks and balances back in government. So the executive would still have the power to declare an emergency, but at the end of 30 days, if they wanted to renew the emergency, we get back to our check and balances, the county executive would have to make a case to the county legislature or the mayor to the city council, uh, whatever the, the local governing body is, before they're able to extend that emergency. Because once there's a state of emergency, other powers kick in, the suspension of laws, the creation of orders, and things of that nature. So right now, it has to run through the state, and pretty much Mark Polongar is assigning a piece of paper, and he gets his extension. This would give power back to the local governments throughout the state? Well, the local government right now has the power through the county executive, but, but obviously it doesn't have the check and balance. So, yes, yeah, so the legislation that we're proposing would keep it at the county level, keep it at that local level, so that any extensions of emergency orders would have to be approved by the local governing body. In this case, it would be the legislature. It's the same, the same um, idea of legislation that we proposed at the state level uh, to require the governor to go before the state legislature at the end of 30 days if he wanted to renew any, any emergency that he declared. Doesn't it seem ridiculous to you that it's not already that way? Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me uh, because uh, because if we go back to our founding fathers and and our form of government, um, we always we've been taught from a very young age, and it goes back that that's several hundred years uh, that we are supposed to have checks and balances in our system between the three various between the three different branches of government. And what we've learned now during COVID is that doesn't seem to exist, or it, do, it doesn't really comport with our founding fathers the check and balance during emergencies. You know, most of the emergencies that we have seen over time, there's been a snowstorm, there's been an ice storm, there's been a natural disaster, and they run their natural course. And we might see the roads closed or businesses closed for several days, but then the snow melts or the ice melts or the electricity gets turned back on. Back on. So we've never had anything in most of our lifetimes for this extended period. And I think it's exposed a serious flaw in our system. Now, as you said, this will be you and Senator Ed Rath introducing uh, this legislation. You have a press conference uh, in less than an hour, and we, we appreciate you uh, joining us before that. Uh, do you see any kind of support for this on the other side of the aisle in Albany? I don't know, but before I get to that, I also want to point out that, and this is what I think is applicable here, there's also a provision of the 
public health law that gives local health directors uh, the power to issue directives as they may deem necessary and proper for the preservation of life and health, among other things. It's pretty broad. And that is actually, even though the even though the county executive in Erie County has continued the state of emergency, it the order regarding masks in this this three or four phase uh, this four phase proposal, if we we ultimately ever get to it, that derives from the authority of the county health director. And the actual order from Erie County is an order of the commissioner of health pursuant to New York State public health law, and it's available on the county website. So we we apply a same check and balance there. The health commissioner falls under the county executive, and we're saying that an uh, order of the county, an order, an emergency order of the commissioner of health also has to be limited to a certain period of time. Any extension is then subject to review by that local governing body, the legislature. So we have a check and balance here. And that's really what's, what's more appropriate here. It's the same premise that Governor Hochul is instituting these different orders. She's doing it through the authority of the New York State Health Commissioner, not her own emergency powers. Uh, but anyway, as far as an appetite on the other side, I don't know. I do know that there's been a tremendous outcry, people opposing uh, these four phases that the, the health commissioner's order and the county executive um, has publicly announced. Uh, our office is receiving uh, just hundreds of emails and phone calls. I know other legislative offices are the same. And I would think that if legislators are properly representing their constituents and being their voice, uh, this is something that would merit consideration. But it's too early to tell because we're just, we just came up with the language and we, we are just introducing it now. Uh, the one thing, though, I will be writing um, and, and seeking the Senate Majority Leader. I'll be writing her to ask her to convene a special session to deal with this. You know, Senator, that is shocking to me that the that an unelected health commissioner has this much power, um, and that they themselves aren't under any checks and balances um, in this state. That did, did you find that shocking when you discovered that? Yes, and it's interesting that you said that because that was my first reaction when we ultimately did a little bit of research on this. So, no matter how well intended. Any particular health commissioner is, whether it's here in Erie County or other counties or at the state level, that isn't what our system is intended to be. No individual should have that unilateral power to control hundreds or tens or, or millions of lives and, and businesses and what goes on on a daily basis. It's just not our system. So if we want to remain true to our system, uh, this is something that should be changed. Now, Senator, before I let you go, and I, I know you have a, a busy uh, two hours coming up, but before I let you go, I got to ask you about Assemblyman Pat Burke's uh, tweet yesterday that's getting a lot of attention. He said he's introducing a bill that allows insurance providers to deny coverage for COVID-related treatment to those who refuse to be vaccinated. Uh, what's your take on his proposed legislation? I think in a, in a general sense, I haven't seen the proposed legislation, but we get in trouble whenever we single out any any individual class of people, right? We have laws against, uh, we, we have laws to protect certain classes. And any time that we single out somebody because of race, gender, uh, anything of that nature, uh, the HIPAA laws prevent disclosure of medical information. And I think we start to venture into dangerous territory 
when we try to control somebody's life by saying, if you do this, even if you do something that you're legally entitled to do, you're still going to be singled out and treated differently than anybody else. So uh, I, I haven't read the legislation. I don't know the particulars. But in a general sense, I think it's problematic singling out any any group of people like that. And that was State Senator Pat Gallivan from Wednesday, uh, just before he and Senator Ed Rath um, gave a press conference talking about uh, their new legislation. And pretty much this, you know, came to be uh, after seeing here in Erie County the power that County Executive Mark Polonkars still has. Um, where you see other counties, they're not in a state of emergency. Um, their leaders don't have those emergency powers. But here in Erie County, they still have it, and the legislature has no power over it. So that is something that we will keep our eyes on. You've heard us talk about it throughout the week. Last week here on WBEN, and I, um, well, I can tell you this. I know at least tomorrow, 2 to 6, as I fill in for Tom Bowerly, we will be following through and talking more and more about that and also talking to businesses um, because, as you've heard me say, I think this is more of a situational thing. If if you wanted to do some kind of situational mandate, right, where you wear a mask to go into a grocery store, uh, again, I, I would probably push back on that, but I don't think it would be the pushback you're seeing when you can wear a, a mask to walk to your table, take your mask off, a, a, you know, a bar and restaurant. Some places you just have to... You know, you just have to say, this isn't really helping, uh, or is it helping, right? And we'll talk about that. We're looking to get someone from Hogan Willig on to talk about the lawsuits um, that some restaurants have grouped uh, to talk about. So hopefully we will have that at 1130 for you. As I said, we have a few calls out for that. When we come back this morning, we do have Dr. Tom Russo from the Jacobs School of Medicine to talk about the new variant we are seeing in South Africa. We have now had, heard confirmed cases throughout Europe. There is a travel ban starting tomorrow here in the United States. We will talk to him about that. We will talk to Dr. Russo about masks and also the Pfizer pill. And if you have been listening to me for the last two or three weeks, I have been all about this Pfizer pill. I'm not a doctor, uh, but I think this could be close to the end of COVID. I want to know if he agrees. So a lot to talk about, a lot breaking. We take a political look at it in the first hour. We're taking the medical look at it in the next segment. And as I said, I'm hoping at 1130, uh, we have an attorney to talk about the lawsuits uh, that a few restaurants have been discussing Um, And you've seen some disclaimers from certain restaurants that are part of that lawsuit. Much, much more to come here. We've just gotten started. It is Hardline. It is the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And we are here because we care for you on WBEN. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. clock at four. Donchich. The Step Back 3. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. 
See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.